You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. The most important unity that we have this morning is uh, in faith, um, in Christ, as instructed by his word, right? That's, the, that's a unity that we have and that you have together. And, um, and, and that's why I'm here this morning, is to be a herald of God's word for this service and, and wanting to be led by God into exactly what he wants for you to hear from his word this morning. And what I want to do this morning is I want to proclaim the, the goodness of the gospel, not just so that we'd add another thing that we know to our minds, but so that it would intersect an aspect of our life specifically, and that's what we're going after. And so if you can get your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm just going to pray for us as you turn there. God, I'm asking uh, this morning, this has been a moment that I've, um, I've been looking forward to and talking through and, uh, and, and just excited to be here, excited to see uh, these two services full of, of your people. And uh, God, I would even believe that there's people here this morning that uh, don't yet know the gospel. And I pray that this message might draw them closer to that and help them see the beauty and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And, and so I just pray as your word is open now and proclaimed, I'm asking God that you would do more than just give us a more knowledge or just an encouraging word. I pray that, that through the power of your spirit, that you would intersect our lives, that you would challenge our thinking, and that the fullness and the wholeness of the gospel would be revealed in such a way that it would be embraced and received into our lives. And so I just trust you with that, God, this morning, and ask that you would work powerfully through this message. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So um, one of the things that you see throughout our society all the time today is a fight for control. Do you see it? Do you see it in the headlines and in the, the and not, not just in the headlines on uh, a bigger um, aspects of control, but we see it at every level in our, in our culture, in our community. Uh, companies are constantly fighting to control what we consume. Uh, they're wanting to get the market share at every level. Politics are a constant battle for control. We see it also in people's homes, between husbands and wives, between parents and children. There are these fights for control that, 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 that emerge in any human organization. Whether schools or workplaces or families, all of them have to, at some point, navigate battles for control. I mean, just, just, just remember back on your childhood and some of the absurd things you used to uh, battle with with your siblings, right? Some of the things are almost laughable to think about. Or maybe even this morning, maybe within your home, you had a, you had a little battle for control that maybe has a little bit of tension as you're sitting here. You're still navigating through that. The Bible's clear, though. The core issue with this battle for control is not between the people, it's within people. It starts in our thinking. It starts in our thinking. The, the Bible makes it clear. It says quarrels and fights are caused by the passions that are at war within you. The Bible addresses this in James. These passions fuel the fight to get what you want, to control 
And it's a stronghold in people's lives. And both in my life and in your life, it's a stronghold in some place. This desire, this I want to get control. I want to be in control. And this, this stronghold, I, I just want you to evaluate for a little bit before we look in the passage and, and get God's encouragement uh, to us and for us. This, this battle for control, it causes uh, some of the uh, most oppressive struggles in your life and my life. Think about it. Like anger is just a way to get control. It's a way to exert control on a situation or on an individual. Uh, anxiety is, is another oppressive struggle that comes from this desire to be in control. And, and, and anxiety comes when you feel out of control. Anxiety comes because you're feeling out of control because of some circumstance or some situation. And when you study anger and anxiety from a biblical perspective, you arrive at the same exhortation again and again and again in Scripture. It's this that God confronts us with. He's like, you've got to address your control problem. And someone's like, I'm not controlling, but, but I'm, I'm angry about some things and I'm anxious about some things and like, and maybe that is a problem in my life. And this idea, whether it's forcing control or wanting control or feeling out of control, the core issue, the core stronghold is I must be in control. And the biblical solution is right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, look with me starting in verse 6. Verse 6, Peter, teaching to the people, says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so from this passage, I want us to see that there's a big move that God's wanting uh, to, to make in my life and in your life. Any place where people will be like, you know what, I'm a bit of a control freak. You need this encouragement from 1 Peter 5. And, and here's the, the big move from this passage. Relinquish control. Relinquish it. By coming under the care and counsel of God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. Three moves to relinquish control. We need this. First, you got to transfer control to God. There has got to be a transfer. There's got to be an understanding of the way that your faith plays out in your life, that you are relinquishing control, that there is a transfer of control. There's an exchange happening. I mean, look, look at this. This is, uh, Peter gives this clear command applicable at all times in your life and in mine. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So let me just break this down piece by piece to make sure we understand it. Because when we understand it, the, the power of the statement causes us to be like, how quick can I transfer control? Like, I, I, I want the control out of my hands. So the first thing you've got to see is this, humble. What does it mean to humble yourselves? The idea here means to be brought low. To be brought low. When I, when I think about the subject of humility and I understand it biblically, it is a purposeful reduction of self. 
You don't have to operate long in our culture to know that that purposeful reduction of self runs right against our culture. It runs in the opposite direction. If you feel in every time you move towards humility, you're like, this is really different than the world. You're right. Like humility, a purposeful reduction of self, a turning down of me and my and I and I want. But, but it doesn't stop just there. It's not just like, okay, just reduce yourself. Look at what it says. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under under, so there's a positional move that I'm, I'm not just reducing myself, I'm taking myself and I'm bringing it under something. And it says here, it says under something and someone specific, under the mighty hand of God. George, you can un- underline that word mighty because you need it. It gives you an assurance that what you're bringing yourself under is worthy of being brought under. The word mighty is a quality statement. Peter gives you the key word. It's like he's saying, hey, hey, if you're, if you're, a little, if you're not sure about, about transferring control to God, let me just give you his resume. At the top of his resume in bold is mighty, like, like, like in bold. And, and the idea here points to God's great strength, his force, and his intensity. He is all powerful. He's all-powerful. This is a fundamental character trait of the God that we worship. And, and, and out of this idea of mighty, when you see it on the top of God's resume, you have to realize that God has done everything necessary, everything necessary. Through, through the work of his redemptive plan from Genesis to Revelation, through the, uh, through the early church and into the church today, he has done everything necessary to establish that he deserves and he can handle your life. He has the authority to lead your life. He has proven it again and again and again. But over all of that is this word mighty. This word mighty. But, but within that still you're like, okay, okay, it's mighty. But, but what, I, what am I bringing myself under when I transfer my control to God? Well, he says the mighty hand of God. Now, let me just make sure you understand that when, when this reference, hand of God, is shared, Peter is distinctly referring to two aspects of God's care for you. He's referring to, in talking about the hand of God, if you think about that, it's talking about his discipline and his deliverance. It's a sweet reference, and it, it has this idea of, rela- of a relational hand it really is, the best picture is a small child with their hand in the, in, in, in meshed in the hand of their parent. A hand that brings boundary in discipline, but also a hand that can carry and move through a difficult or a scary circumstance or situation. They can deliver. It's discipline and deliverance. So when, you, when you're transferring your control to God and you understand that you're supposed to bring your life under the mighty hand of God, like when you understand what Peter is saying here, there should be a longing and a desire to transfer your control to God. When I was uh, preaching this message in our church, we were in the middle of a series called Mind Wars. And, and, and the, the message that we reinforced throughout this series was, was this. We, we encouraged our people, like I want to encourage you this morning, 
Disciples of Jesus Christ, those who are fervently following after God, need to be a people that we're thinking about how we're thinking. Do you do that enough? I know sometimes we just can be a people, just we just react. We just react. Sometimes we don't even think about our thinking that led to the actions that played out in our life. And, and I want us to learn as disciples to, to think about our thinking, to evaluate the authority behind your thinking. Who or what is controlling your different thoughts? And so often, we don't transfer control to God because there's something that we're giving ourselves to. There's something that we wrongly believe about our lives. Who or what is controlling your different thoughts? You can notice it in your body. Like literally, I think God's designed us in such a way that there's sometimes there's an evidence that something isn't right. What thoughts that might come through your mind that, that, that cause your heart to start to raise and your, and your blood pressure to, to increase and your, your muscles to tense and your breath to even shorten. And, and, you, and you need to be asking, what is driving this literally physiological response? Or in the more common language of our culture, what's triggering you? Who or what is controlling your thinking? Sometimes it's your flesh, your, your raw passions or desires or fears or anxieties. It could be another person or a group of people that have been given control over your life. I see again and again in the church that there's sometimes uh, issues that we're wrestling through in our thinking that go back to trying to live up to the expectations of someone who's not even alive anymore. And it plagues our thinking and it impacts our walk with Christ. And, and we start to want to live up to these expectations and demands and desires that, that exhibit control and pull us one way or the other. And right there is the battle for your soul. And discipleship and what Jesus calls you to lovingly and tenderly wants to intersect right in that place, in your thinking. It's in these moments when we identify the, the things that are trying to control us, that are plaguing our thinking, it's right there where, where God, through his gospel in this passage specifically, has gives you a better choice than taking control or trying to live up to someone else's expectation and come under their control. You can, by faith, transfer control to God. And so what does this look like? Well, Church, what it looks like is it, it, it is a moment-by-moment, situation-by-situation decision that I'm going to, in the thinking and the, the pattern of that thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm, whoever's got control over me, well, it's my life or someone else, I'm going to be like, uh, listen, I'm, I'm done with you taking control. It's time in the a grace of what God has offered me, in the goodness of the gospel, I'm transferring control to God. It's, it's moment by moment humbling yourself under God instead of any lesser gods, including yourself. And, and, and so in this, within, uh, under God's authority, within the boundaries of that, man, he's given us his spirit, he's given us his word, and his people to be his agents to guide your life. So in Christ-worshiping families, we have parents and 
spouses and children and, and, and together uh, to be his representatives for each other and to encourage one another. In Christ-worshiping churches like this one, uh, God has given us elders and pastors and shepherds and leaders and teachers to represent him. And my encouragement to you is don't sit on the sidelines, like access these resources and there'll be a great encouragement to you to help you transfer control to God. But when transferring control, let me just give these two pastoral warnings quickly. First, seek balanced counsel. Seek balanced counsel. I encourage people that when you're navigating through transferring control to God and what that specifically looks like in different circumstances, consult the spirit of God in prayer, consult scriptures, the scriptures, needs to be consistent and faithful to God's word, and consult spiritual counsel. Make sure there's a balance in your, in your decision-making with those three. Make sure you've consulted all three. If anyone's asking you to make a decision without consulting all three, you should be like, nope, not doing it. And the balance of those three have created such great a peace and joy in my life. The decision to marry my wife, I was like consulting all three. The decision to go plant the church in, 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 in Muskegon, like, like had to consult all three and look for alignment and the balance protects us. Then this, don't trust something or someone just because it says it's Christian. The Christian label is very cheap and easy to slap on anything. And, and so whether it's counselors or books or websites, whatever it might be, let me just encourage you. Are they leading you? Are they leading you to God's word and from God's word? Is there boundaries around that God has established around their counsel? Are they leading you to the gospel? Is there a sense that they're not leading you to themselves or to an entity like a church, but they're leading you to the person of Jesus Christ? Like he's the one that deserves all of the fame. He is the one that only one that truly satisfies our soul. It's the gospel. We gotta transfer control to God. We gotta take down this, I must be in control stronghold that's so prevalent in our culture. The church needs to lead in this. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. That's the first point. Second move is this. Second move to relinquish control, trust God's timing. Notice what the passage is teaching. It says there, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and it is if God knew exactly what we needed to hear. It says so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. At the proper time. Some of you might need to um, underline that. Some of you might need to photocopy that and put it right in front of your face all the time. Some of you might need to tattoo it on the inside of your arm. Okay, whatever's necessary. This is one where we tend to wrestle so much. Who determines the proper time, church. Who? It's God does. And I want you to learn to say that and speak that over so many aspects and circumstances of your life. Like this needs to be like, almost like breathing, like God, I trust you with your timing. God, I trust you with your timing. God, I trust you with your timing. 
I could spend the rest of the day talking about the things where I am trusting God for his timing. I could also give you praise for times when I thought uh, it was not going to come and then God in his perfect, proper timing delivered or disciplined or guided. God has the right and authority to determine the timing of when he is going to exalt you. Now, this word exalt If you come across this word and you don't understand what it's saying here, you you could be confused. Because exalt, we, we, we sing that song like, I exalt thee. And exalt so often is this word that's, that's referring directly to worshiping God. There's an aspect of that 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 word is used in that way. So I, 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 think, you guys can, I think you guys already know this, but I'm just going to make sure. If you are believing that at some point, because it says here, he may exalt you and the he is God. If you think at some point God is going to worship you, mm, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? That's not what it's saying here. And so we know in the context, it's got to mean something different than that. And the context, within the context, the the word exalt means to lift a person up. It is that picture of transferring control to God means I let go of the things that I'm trying to do and I place my hand in God's and in praying, God, I trust your timing. My hand is in his hand. And I don't know when he is going to literally lift me up in whatever relationship or situation or trial or circumstance. But I know that my hand is in his. And I am living under his timing. God exalts you when he lifts you up by his mighty hand in any situation, circumstance, or decision. Some of you need to know that this morning and you need to rest in it. Because he is mighty, because he loves you and because he is always faithful and because he is perfectly just and wise, it will be at the proper time. At the proper time. Peter Peter wrote this letter to disciples that were going through brutal persecution. Nothing like we're facing in America today. Brutal persecution. Lives on the line And into that, with some people unsure of the next day or week or month, teaching them to continue to humble themselves, to stay in a posture of dependence on God until he comes to lift you up. Exaltation will come. It's a promise, church. But you don't get to determine the timing. You don't. You may have to endure trials and suffering before God brings complete and total reconciliation and relief. And and sometimes it's not in this life that we see the fulfillment of that promise. Sometimes it's in eternity. I got to be honest, I I think that uh, pastorally over time, what I see for sure the majority of the time is, is there is some some vision or reality of God's exaltation, of him lifting people up, you see a picture of it in this life, but fully in the next. You just get a glimpse of it. Enough, I think, in God's goodness for us to see the power of God, but knowing and tasting and experiencing the goodness of God in such a way and getting a vision of God in his word that we're like, I've only just tasted it. At the best, it's only an appetizer of what's to come. It's only an appetizer of what's to come. But, but, but listen, 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 our gospel hope, 
rests upon the fact that it will come completely in eternity, amen? Man, we wait for that and long for that rightly. But, but, but what we do know is that the time will be proper. It'll be proper. Trust God's timing. And, and, and this, honestly, this is, this is where we struggle, isn't it? This is, this is where I, I see so much struggle in, in my life and in your life. It's the, it's the single person that starts with a right desire to marry a believer until they start to face disappointment after disappointment. The years start to pass, more and more weddings attended, friends having kids. The war for control begins over the timing. Temptation to compromise, to take control back from God. I watch people struggling with with chronic pain, literally feeling the impact of their body breaking down. The pain increases, the restrictions start to come at every turn. And the question begins to come, do they humble themselves under the mighty hand of God or do they grow bitter and distant from God? It's a war for control and they gotta trust God's timing. Or how about a situation that I think we struggle with in the church but, but love to act like it's okay and what happens is, is, we, is we, we rush God's timing but we're like, but I'm doing it for good purposes. Right, like we're like, we're like I, I want God's best but I'm desiring to see the change and sometimes I'm rushing too quickly. Pressing too hard. Speaking when you should wait. Getting, uh, rushing ahead before getting God's counsel. And not humbling yourself before God because you want to rush the timing instead of trusting God's proper timing. You defend it by saying, man, this is a good thing that I'm going after. But if you're honest about your heart, it's leading to a degree of anger and anxiety. And don't forget that the first descriptor of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is patient. So we've got to trust God's timing. So often sinful anger or anxiety comes from wanting to be in control of the timing. And what we do when we do that is we're just like, kind of like, God, um, I've analyzed the situation in all of my wisdom I'm asking that you would step aside. I know you've had this sovereignty controller. Can you give it to me? I'd like to control the next moves. And, uh, and I got this. And some of you have endured painful consequences because you didn't trust God's timing. You, you decided that you were just going to continue to try to be in control. And I've walked that path just like you have. And I've hurt people close to me with my words and actions because I tried to control the situation. Instead, you can find the safety and the support from God by coming under and trusting his timing. And and listen, listen, and, and the beautiful thing that happens, I have a situation just recently where God showed up in an awesome way because I trusted his timing. And you know what I found again? I found that that God is so sufficient in the waiting. What, what happens in the waiting is we realize that, that I'll never be disappointed. You'll never be disappointed if you wait on God with God. If you wait on God's timing with God. Stay under. Stay submitted to God's spirit, his word, and his spiritual counsel. Stay under the mighty hand of God and trust God's timing. That's the second move if we want to relinquish control. Here's the third and final one. 
Throw each burden on God. Throw each burden on God. So, so how, do, how do we endure under the control of God? How do you endure when waiting for the proper timing? How do we navigate this? What does this really look like in my life? Look at the teaching of God's word. It's, it's right here for us in verse seven. It, it anticipates exactly what we need. Verse seven says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If, if we if we want to, to live in this reality, if we want to experience the, the gospel wholeness that, that Jesus wants to bring to our lives, we, we have to understand this verse. This verse orients us within the beauty of the relationship that God wants to have with you and me. If we want to endure through all of the circumstances and situations that come against us in this life, if we want to have the joy and peace that God wants to bring, you have to see and understand what he's saying here in verse seven, what it means to, uh, to understand his care for you and how and what it means to cast your anxieties on him. While you wait, throw each burden on God. I use the word, um, I use the word throw in this point instead of cast to, to avoid what I, what I think could be some confusion and to make a, a point very clear. In our culture, a casting is associated with a, this activity, um, is associated with fishing. And so just for the front row, um, there's no hook on the end of this, okay? No one should trust me with this illustration with a hook on the end of it. And, um, and the idea of casting oftentimes in our culture, if anyone is, likes to fish, is associated the fishing pole. But casting here is, it, it cannot be like casting a fishing pole. Because when you cast a fishing pole, what happens is if we got this idea of our anxieties, if, if casting like a fishing pole was the picture, um, this is what would happen. We would cast it, and isn't this what we do with anxiety? Sometimes we're like, I cast it away. I put it on God, and then we're like, it seems to be coming back. And we're like, no, 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 I, I, I cast my anxieties on him. And you're like trying to hide the reality that it's only really temporarily that we've done that. And what we have to recognize is that the passions that are war within us, what they want to do is they want to keep drawing that back into our life. And so the picture of casting all your anxieties on him cannot be equated with what we commonly think about with casting. Instead, the idea is to literally throw your burdens onto God. To throw your burdens onto God, not to reel them back. There's gotta be a sense that we disconnect from them, that we're trying in every way to release them, that we're like, I don't wanna draw it back. I don't want my identity to be around this control that I, I seem to always want to have over this situation or this circumstance. The right picture is releasing it with no plan to bring it back. And if it arrives back in my life, there's a spirit of repentance in walking with the spirit before God as I've humbled myself under the mighty hand of God, going, I don't want this in my life anymore. 
And I, 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 I let go of that. I'm not going to allow that to have control anymore. I love that it says all your anxieties. All of them. Each person's burdens that they're carrying up and down these rows in each and every seat. Anybody within the hearing of my voice has specific burdens and they're different. And, and God forbid that in his church that we should somehow walk around in relationship ashamed of our burdens. We, we, we have to be a people that's transparent enough to be honest about the burdens that we're carrying. After first service, I had some sweet people from your church just come up and share some of the burdens that they're carrying. More of that. Not just with some guest preacher, but in the midst of your community and your relationships. Don't try to control your burdens. Don't be ashamed of them. Just throw each burden on God. Celebrate it together. Remind each other of the commitment you're making. All of them, every trial, every circumstance, every relationship, each burden. Don't be embarrassed. We all have burdens that we're throwing before God. And Christ is calling you in faith, by my grace, throw each burden on me. He's like, my shoulders are broad enough for your burden. Can you just see that? And all that anger and anxiety that's just caught up in that situation. And I just want to take it from you. Because I care for you. Do you recognize that this morning? That what that part of that passage says is that your burden is important to God. He doesn't look at you with disdain. He's not like, oh, look how weak you are. You can't carry that. No. He knows and he loves and he cares. I know there's somebody here this morning that needs that truth. That burden that's weighing on your heart, that's causing anger and anxiety, the one you're trying to control, Jesus is calling you just to draw your arm back by faith and just aim it at Jesus and just release it to him. And he's gonna come in the midst of that and embrace you and exalt you in the proper time. Throw each burden on God. Jesus tells you, he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Live in today. Whatever you might be facing today, whatever you want to control, throw each burden on God. Like, like this is literally the picture. And so I've got some things that that we um, might be carrying that we need to uh, literally throw onto God. Here's one. Here's a burden that might be causing just a bit of anger and anxiety in our communities today. And the picture here is not that I'm throwing it and then just sort of bringing it back on a four-year cycle. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm going, I'm throwing this burden onto God. I see him as the object of my faith and my life. I trust him with everything. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, please take that. Here's one that may be a little personal to this crowd. Uh, The Chiefs without Tyreek. Okay, like this might be causing some anger, anxiety going into the fall. And some of you just need to do this and you need to throw it all the way to Miami. Okay, just like, just like I'm done. I'm done. I'm not thinking about that anymore. I'm trusting you, God, with my anger and anxiety. Please help me. More seriously, health. Some of you might have an appointment this week. You're just like, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's around the corner. And there's a part of that that I just go, God, I, you have given me life. You know and have marked every one of my days. And I will trust you. 
and I'm releasing that, I'm throwing that burden onto God. Maybe marriage or family. You're needing God to do a miracle. Maybe you're in a spot where literally you've recognized that there's nothing that you can do to bring about the outcome that your heart is longing for because you're dealing with another person and all you can do is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and, and just in the proper time, God will exalt you. Maybe in the way that you want and are longing for, but maybe in a way that you don't see yet. And in doing that, you throw that burden onto God. Maybe it's uh, your job or finances and there's a sense of needing to submit all of that to God and just trusting him in this moment that he'll provide at the proper time and you just throw that burden on God. It could be any category of trials that you just go, God, I'm not going to let this like, like speak over my life anymore because I'm placing myself under your mighty hand. And so if people see me, I might have all these situations that I'm wrestling with from the, from the trite to the serious, but in the midst of all of that, I want them to see that I've thrown these realities onto you and I am standing boldly and with joy and confidence under the mighty hand of God. And I don't see it yet, but I know, and I've seen again and again through the, through the testimony of Scripture that, that at the proper time, God will deliver me. And my God, if he is concerned and he cares about me, like it says in this passage, what do I have to worry about? And God, I, God forgive me for the times that I, I carry it in such a way that stirs up my heart with anger and anxiety. Why, God, would I wrestle control from you? Just come to him. Just come to him. This is where the truth of God's word intersects your life right now with the circumstances that you're carrying, your anxieties. Here's a truth. As I sum it up, burdens carry less weight only when you're walking close enough and consistently enough with Christ to throw them on him, coming under his mighty hand of providence. I, I think that there's a sense that, that when I'm walking with God, that when I'm abiding in God and in his word and walking in his spirit, surrounded in his community, there's a sense that I am bolstered and strengthened. And as I walk through situations that might cause anxiety, there's a sense that it's so easy for me just to go, I don't want to hold this. I want to get this out. I don't want to control this. And people are speaking that into my life and lovingly reminding me of truths like this. And what we need to do, church, is we just got to keep throwing. Like, like by the time you get to glory, your arms should just be tired. You should be like, I'm, I'm just so tired of throwing. Like, I'm going to need some sort of shoulder surgery the second I get to glory just to make that right, and I'm so glad that that will happen. And just in this life, just release it completely again and again and again. This is the picture of walking by faith. It's what it means to walk by the Spirit of God. This is, is, is a truth that I, I see from this passage. You lose control, but you win the presence, the power, and the promise of God. Friends, that is, that, is a, that is a miraculous exchange. We give control away to God, but what we win back is the presence, the power, and the promise of God. It's his invitation to joy and peace and reconciliation and restoration, and it's yours in the gospel. Throw each 
burden on God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. Now, now I, I know, I know, as, as, I, as I conclude now, I want, you to, uh, I want you to hear me that I know that this message is coming right at a difficult area of our lives and our hearts. And our culture, like, church, can, can, we just, can we just recognize for a moment, like our culture encourages this stronghold of being in control constantly, especially the American culture. We pride ourselves on being able to control our destiny, define our future, be whoever you want, achieve whatever you want. We are trained, taught, encouraged to fight for control. It is literally born within our hearts because of the reality of sin, and it plays out constantly around our lives and our culture. Any sense of control is an illusion. It's an illusion. We're not in control. And, and the more and more that I uh, add years to my life, I'm confronted with it over and over and over again. I'm not in control. And into this reality, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, beckons you, invites you, pleads with you to come out of this kingdom and into his kingdom. Out of this kingdom and into his kingdom. Come and transfer control to God. Trust his timing. Throw each burden on God. Relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God. So as I close today, I just love for you, before I pray for you, I would just love for you just to stand up where you're at right now and just you know, close your notes in your Bible. And uh, this, this verse in front of us uh, paints a very clear picture. And what I'd love for you to do right now is just, just put in front of you uh, two fists clenched. Two fists clenched in front of you. And um, each one of you, like me, has some things that you're either holding on to, that you're wanting to control. There's some things that you're tempted to grab hold of and try to control. Or, or, or things that, that, that currently you know that you've been holding on to for a long time. It could be a million things. I don't need to know because we worship a God who does know. God knows, and in some ways I think you know. And right now, in the midst of the gathering of God's people, the, the Spirit of God is in this room. Jesus has been beckoning to you through his truth today. He cares for you. He cares for you. And because of his love for you right now, as, as this final song is sung so sweetly over us, as an act of faith, my encouragement to you is just to start, conf start confessing it to God. Start expressing like, God, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. As you confess it, begin to imagine yourself just throwing it, throwing each and every burden to God. God can bring this stronghold down in your life moment by moment if you walk by faith in this truth. In this passage, empowered by God's Spirit, relinquish control by coming under the care and counsel of God.